Kelly Spears, and this is The Dirt, where we dig deep with those helping to feed the world. Episode 9, Meredith Bernard. Well, this morning I am sitting down with Meredith Bernard, and we are um, going to kind of dive into a little bit about her story and um, every all the happenings in uh, North Carolina, so I can't wait to talk to you uh, this morning. But Meredith, if you could maybe just kind of start us off by telling us a little bit about your background and uh, a little bit about your story to kind of get things rolling. Sure. Thanks for having me on, Allie. I'm excited to be here. Like I said, <laughs> I just came in from outside, so I know I look a hot mess, but this is <laughs> this is my life. It's always when something going on. Um, so I am a farm wife, obviously. <laughs> uh, farm wife, farmer. I kind of, you know, started owning that that label, I guess. I don't really like labels, but that term uh, a few years ago. Uh, mama to two, so I have two kids, Austin, age nine, that's my girl, and then Wesley is 11, he'll be 12 next month though, um, and my husband Lawrence and I, we we live on a beef cattle operation right on the central North Carolina-Virginia line, but we're in North Carolina, uh, so we raise Angus Cross commercial cattle, and we raise all of our own hay. We, in the past few years, we've started dabbling in some corn and some beans a little bit. Um, got our first new to us, very old combine. <laughs> kind of got her going and brought her back to life, and uh, that's been an interesting endeavor. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we farm, and um, I also homeschool. I, uh, let's see, it's been six years ago now, I quit my corporate job. So when I went to school for animal science, I got out and I went into feed sales for 10 years and I was on the road with that. And uh, it just got to be a lot. The corporate demands got to be a lot, having to be gone away from home a lot. My husband farms by himself. um, So we don't have any other help. Um, So it just got to be a lot. And we both decided that I would quit and come home and it's been it's been an interesting little ride since then I don't regret any of it um it's just been uh, I mean a lot of it's kind of taken different twists and turns but it's been good it's been good for our family I think and um I'm glad to be here now and playing a larger role on the farm and and of course sharing a lot of that on social media so yeah and that's, that's uh, enough. yeah so and that's I think which I kind of want to talk like talk on the whole social media thing here in a minute, but kind of going back just to kind of lay things out for some people here. So you went to, um, to school and got your degree in animal science. Did you know, like you wanted to go into sales right out of school or how did that kind of come (laughs) I did not. In fact, that was probably the last thing on my mind. I actually, um, actually didn't know what I wanted to do. (laughs) I, uh, my mom and dad both worked at NC State, and so I grew up kind of over there on the campus, and uh, that was, it was just always kind of understood that's probably where I would go, it's where I wanted to go, but I didn't really know what, I never had this, I wasn't one of those kids that, you know, from age five knew what they wanted to do with their life, right? So I had a really good friend that I grew up with in church, and she had started a year, she was a year ahead of me, and she started in the animal science program, and I was watching her and listening to her and I was like well that looks like fun and in high school I got into horses and horseback riding with some friends and I found out that they had an equine program and you could work with the horses and possibly live on the at the equine unit and that that's like where my mind went I was like 
yeah, I want to do that. I want to go to college and play with horses. Right. <laughs> so I did. And I ended up working out there at the research unit. And I worked for the horse extension horse commodity coordinator. This long. They basically were over the North Carolina 4-H horse program. Okay. So I worked in that office and got to help with the 4-H show every year uh, while I was in school. And um, so when it came time to graduate, I still didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> uh, a lot of the push and a lot of the, the jobs on the job board and poll call, which was our animal science building, were either swine related or poultry related because North Carolina, it's, those are huge industries right. in North Carolina. Right. I didn't want to do any of that. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to move down east to work in a hog operation. I don't want to work with poultry. What am I going to do? Um, so as it turned out, I actually, I kind of went two directions because I didn't know what I was going to do. I decided that maybe I would try teaching. I decided that I would maybe try ag ed and, and try to find a school where I could actually teach animal science. Um, so I, Immediately after I graduated with my undergrad, I went into grad school. I worked for a small vet practice. I managed a small vet practice, so I did that. I lived at home. I never lived on campus, so I was able to stay at home and commute and, and keep that job and go to school online and at night. <laughs> and so I got that degree in two years. And then when it came time to get out of that program, there was no, there was no jobs that fit oh, what no. I wanted to yeah. do. So, <laughs> there was, um, there was plenty of horticulture teaching positions or shop, you know, but there was no ag, animal science or biotech near where I kind of wanted to stay um, in the central part of the state near my family. So, um, actually kind of goes back to working through college. Um, I made some good connections and the man that I had worked for found out about a sales job with, it was only like 10 County. So it wasn't like, I, I just, I had this and I envisioned uh, a sales job. When you heard the word sales, I just immediately thought, TV commercial car salesman. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, that's not me. I'm not that person. And I'm, I'm not a pushy person. I'm, you know, I'm just, anyway, so that's what I had in my head that sales meant. Um, but he told me about that job. So I went and interviewed for it. And I was like, this actually sounds pretty fun. I don't think this would be too bad. Right. So I, I, I took that job and I was with that one company, a very small company for two years. And then a larger company came and um, kind of stole me away. <laughs> but It was good. It was a good move for me. And it was a great company to work for. And I loved it. Like it was, it was the perfect job. A lot of people said, you have the perfect job. Like it was fun. I got to be on the road a lot. You know, I kind of yeah. set my own hours. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of going and doing, but it was very flexible and it was something different every day. And I got to be on the farms and I got to kind of use my teaching degree because I would do a lot of grower meetings and, um, you know, put on a lot of presentations. So I still kind of got to teach. Right. Um, but more specific, obviously, it was all nutrition related, but um, it was great. It was great until it just was time to was do something else. Right. So. And so what, I mean, so you were on the road, constantly traveling, kind of had this, uh, you know, high paced, high energy job, and then you transitioned back right. home. What was the hardest challenge mm -hmm. in that transition when you were kind of said, okay, I'm done with this life, ready to do this life? 
Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think um, the hardest part was just trying to find a new normal and um, how to reallocate my time. And um, I guess I, I probably did feel kind of lost for a little bit. Like, you know, yeah, I had all these things that I was doing or responsible for. And then now I'm home. Right. <laughs> and I'm missing that really nice paycheck <laughs> and the <laughs> gas card and the car or the truck that I had and, you know, the benefits and everything. And I was, um, but I did have two small children, so I was able to be home with them now. Um, and I also had started a photography business. I had started that before I quit my other job. So it had, it was growing. So it gave me time to really kind of focus on that. And I started doing more with that. And that was some decent, I mean, it was some residual income coming in and, and it grew. I, I did well with that for several years. Um, and, and then that's kind of when it, um, I just realized after I got home, it did give me more time to kind of focus on things that I had never focused on before or, and, and I've talked about this a lot, but that's really when I realized that I had these other passions that I didn't know I had or, you know, gifts or whatever you want to call it, calling, <laughs> I don't know, one was a photography and then, and then one was writing and I really just, I had never taken an interest in writing, but I just started feeling like I had things I wanted to share about what I was learning on the farm and what I, what the farm was teaching me basically, mm -hmm. because it, it really teaches a lot. Right. Um, so that's when I kind of, I started a little blog and started writing and sharing that on social media. And then, you know, one things led to another and I kind of share a lot now, but that's kind of where it started. I feel like I, I just, I got quiet and still enough to kind of look inward and see what else it was that what more there was for me. Cause I just have always felt like there was more. It's like, I, I don't want to be a feed salesman my whole life, but I didn't know what, you know, what the other thing might be. And I still don't, I mean, I just kind of, I feel like my life, I'm just, I'm more of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of person. I'm not a, I'm not a very good planner. <laughs> I don't have this like five-year, 10-year, 20-year kind of plan. I'm uh -huh. just not, not built that way. I just kind of go with it. I'm like, okay, this is where we're, this is what we're doing right now. Yep. And then, you know, next would be like, uh, I guess I'm more of a dreamer. I mean, my husband's the realist. I'm the dreamer. Yeah. So we, sometimes we do this and sometimes we do this. <laughs> and, um, it works out in the wash, you know? Yeah. It <laughs> takes, it takes, it takes all kinds. And sometimes those are the best teams, uh, when everybody right. has their own yeah. view and vision. <laughs> grounded. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> grounded. And, then, and then I can't, I keep him surprised. There you go. <laughs> I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you're actually selling things or I can't believe people are watching YouTube. Yeah. So like, yeah, just so, go with it. And since you actually just mentioned YouTube, let's talk about that a little bit because mm -hmm. I kind of feel like you were kind of paved the road maybe for some people as far as um, the, inst or not Instagram, uh, well, Instagram too, but social media types of things as far as kind of starting to share your story and open up that world for people who maybe would have no idea. Um, what, would you say your audience is mostly ag people or is it kind of common consumer? What? What does your audience look like? Um, I think a lot of my audience either is involved in ag or um, they certainly have an appreciation for it 
or they have been in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of people that watch and say, I like watching your channel because it reminds me of Mm -hmm. my granddad or my family farm that I had to move away from, or I, you know, we didn't get to keep, or I don't, I didn't actually go into that field, but it kind of takes me back home. And, um, you know, it's it's just kind of like a feel good thing, I think. Um, and then I have people that also aren't involved at all that are telling me, you know, um, I'm sitting in an apartment in New York and I would never have been exposed to any of this. Like I've never been to a farm and I'm learning things that I've never seen before. Or, you know, I'm learning where my, the steak I eat comes from and getting to see how much work goes into, mm-hmm. you know, a family farm and keeping things going to, to keep food and fiber in the marketplace in the world and that's like very rewarding I love when I hear stories like that from people that are truly learning you know and getting to see things that they never had before right yeah and with that too I guess do you have I mean I know as agriculture advocates there's a lot of um, backlash sometimes on people who uh, you know don't agree with maybe what what things we're doing. Do you find that that's a lot? Do you get a lot of that or is it pretty positive? For I, part? I do not get a lot of that. Good. I really don't knock on wood. I know. <laughs> I, 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 I have friends who get an awful lot of that, especially, uh, dairy, my mm-hmm. dairy friends. I feel like they get, they get a whole lot of that from, from activists. Um, I honestly can count on like one hand how many of those things that I've gotten. They just, I don't know. They haven't trolled me yet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> feel me. Or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not putting out stuff that's seemingly too controversial. I don't know, but um, I don't get a lot of that. I get, I mean, 99, 98, 99% of the comments I get are very positive and um you know, people asking questions and mm-hmm. it's gotten harder to try to keep up with all of that and really engage with everybody. But I try, I try. Um, so, and that gives me good ideas too. When somebody asks a questions, I'm like, oh, that's something I need to show or talk about in another video and expand on that. I get that a lot. So that helps kind of know where to focus and what to show what, because we, I know in the beginning, I would just show stuff, you know, that we were doing and I feel like a lot of times in ag, we, I don't know, sometimes we take things for granted that we know and that we do on a daily basis. And we just assume the rest of the world knows what we're doing or why we're doing it, you know, why we're doing it the way we're doing it. And I mean, for instance, we have cattle and we fall calve and then we feed them through the winter and we have to keep them up and we keep them up in pretty small lots so we can feed them easily. Well, the last few years, we've had tremendous amounts of rain through the winter for some reason, (laughs) and it's been very muddy, and so trying to, like, explain, you know, why the cows are staying in the mud, and this is how we have to feed them, and why we can't just put them out to pasture, and, you know, stuff like that, so it's taken, I have to, like, really, really be considerate of what I show, and how I show it, and how I explain it to make sure that people understand why we're doing things the way we do them. Right. Yeah, I know. I think that's one thing too I've struggled with is, um, you know, I'll say the word like even heifer and then someone will be like, okay, what the heck is a heifer? Yeah. Yeah, You just like, another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I found that I just have to like start from the basics and build up because yeah. you have to kind of assume people don't know anything. Um, I That's think- very true. <laughs> very true. <laughs> from, an, uh-huh. from an education standpoint. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's true. I've gotten that too. What is, yeah, having to explain exactly what a heifer is and a steer. And yeah, when we castrate our bull calves and then, you know, when I, cause I'll use other language. I'm like, we're changing their minds today. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what we're doing and this is why, and every animal on our farm has a job. And if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't get bred or it can't breed or it doesn't have a live calf, you know, then we have to get rid of them because that's our paycheck. Like, right. They are animals and we take care of them. They come first Absolutely. basically all the time, but um, it is a business and you have to treat it like that. And sometimes that there's a fine line with that when you're talking, showing, showing everything to the world. Like I just, we just had a, a bottle calf and, I showed him from day one and he was named and a lot of people got attached to Elmo and (laughs) Elmo had a happy ending because of you two, because a viewer ended up purchasing him to use as a hurdle, but that was not going to be Elmo's fate (laughs) had that not happened. And, you know, people, um, it's just hard to kind of, to kind of draw that line sometimes and for other people to understand who aren't actually in our line of work sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and actually I'm just now thinking of this. I don't know if I've even said anything on my page about like commercial cattle. Would you maybe kind of mind describing like what are commercial cattle and kind of what their purposes are, especially kind of your your operation? Like what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So when I say commercial, we don't have purebred. Our our animals aren't purebred. We do. uh, Most of our bulls are purebred Angus bulls and our cows are black or black and white, what we'd call baldy, but they're not registered. There's no papers or anything like that. Um, in the area where we live, we get better pay for selling calves that are black hided. And I don't know, I don't really know why, but we just do. So <laughs> it's not that we have anything against other breeds or red Angus or anything like that, but that's what we get. Uh, we, we get paid more for that. So that's what we raise. Um, and so we run black cows and our Angus bulls and we breed them January and February. So we have an actual breeding season as we try to keep it at 60 days and then they, they calve October, November. And so then once they calve, they stay, the calves, the babies stay on their mama until typically May, we usually wean and sell our calves in May. This year is very different because uh, when COVID hit, the prices went way down and we decided we didn't want to like literally give them away. (laughs) Right. So we're feeding them through the summer and we're going to end up, uh, hopefully things are going to rebound some and we'll sell them as heavier calves that have been fed in the fall. So, um, but that's basically it. So yeah, we our, uh, the term we use is our calf crop is our cash crop. That's our once a year paycheck. 
that we have to spread throughout the whole year to buy <laughs> feed and which we try to raise most of our feed, but of course there's a lot of cost involved in raising feed <laughs> between feed and chemicals and fuel and tractor, you know, keeping everything going. And on our farm, we, we, we run old equipment that we that's paid for <laughs> right. and that my husband my husband's a very good mechanic and he works on basically everything himself and um we did the same thing with that combine we bought a very old combine and have got it going and trying to keep it going but um so I don't know does that answer yeah no that that's, kinda... that's perfect um yeah I was just kind of sitting here thinking you know there's probably some people watching that we're talking about commercial yeah. cattle and they're like what the heck is that it's commercial um, yeah <laughs> are they on yeah. tv <laughs> we're kind of commercial <laughs> i know i don't really know where that term actually came from right I know. Now, but yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah no that was perfect so thank you for that uh switching mm -hmm. gears a little bit uh you are known for your butter and uh skillet recipes so what yeah. is maybe one of your favorite recipes um that you've either created or come across uh through, um, through all of that well i guess the one that i talk about a lot that and actually i really do owe it to my husband for teaching me how to cook a steak and skillet that's kind of my <laughs> I mean, if, if I could have that every night, that's what we would do, but right. <laughs> we don't have that meat in the freezer. Um, yeah, I don't, and that whole thing, I just started, I just started sharing when I would cook that, and a lot of people just kind of went, <laughs> so I'm like, well, yeah, I was, and people were like, I've never seen that done, or I've never heard of that. I'm like, oh, well, you need to try this, yeah. <laughs> and butter, I mean, butter makes, butter does make everything better, <laughs> Man, so. Yeah. I just love some real butter and my husband has just always been real butter, whole milk. And I mean, I was, I was raised on country crock and 2% milk. Okay. Mm. But I've, I've seen the error of my ways and <laughs> my children have had nothing but whole milk and real butter <laughs> since they were born. Um, so yeah. And I just, the more I've cooked with the skillet, they're his old skillets. They're skillets that were passed down to him. Um, I just love cooking with them and I just, I've thrown almost everything else away. It's just, there's not much that can't be cooked in the skillet. And I just, it's just become a preferred method of doing things. And I love sharing with people and then hearing other people, you know, I bought my first skillet and I'm doing it and I love it. And I mean, that's the fun part to me. It's like, I didn't invent cooking right. steak in a right. skillet. Right. Uh, people have said that. I'm like, no, I like, I I'm not the first person to ever do this. I've just talked about it. And other people, you know, how that just happens online. You kind of yeah. get, you get labeled with something or known for something. And so, which I'm fine with that. I'm fine with being the butter lady. I went to farm shows this past winter and people would see me and say, aren't you the butter lady? I'm like, well, I, I guess. I do <laughs> I need a butter sponsor. We don't even have dairy cows. <laughs> dairy we do have one we have one dairy cow one jersey that we use as a nurse cow but um <laughs> <so>. <laughs> funny but yeah that's been fun um yeah so if if you're watching and you have not um seen that definitely go check that out because she has some great steaks uh made in a skillet with butter because like you said butter <laughs> makes everything better <laughs> and some really cute apparel that um that <laughs> yeah. <butter. laughs> I got a towel that says that. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's a towel. See, I need yeah. to, I need to 
check yeah. it out. Um, I've seen the shirts. I love a good one. So I, like I kind of said earlier, I kind of consider you to be one of um, one of the the forefront women that have kind of decided to share her story through social media and uh, really advocate for agriculture through your platforms. Um, what's maybe some advice you have for somebody kind of like me, um, who's kind of just starting on this journey, um, and trying to kind of find my place in the community? Yeah. Um, I think first and foremost, the most important thing to do is to, it's kind of my tagline is to share your real, to just, you know, keep things real. Mm -hmm. Um, your story, and I say this a lot, but your, your personal story matters and the world will be better for hearing it and knowing it. Um, and I, I guess the past several past year or so that I've gotten, uh, more followers and stuff, especially on YouTube, I've had to learn to let, even though I, like I said, there's very few negative comments. Sometimes those are the ones that like come out and right. you just, the only one just, just like, I just take so personally. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of the person I am. I wear my heart on my sleeve and I, you know, I, I never considered myself someone that got very offended, but then I, when I step back, I'm like, oh, well I can be easily offended <laughs> if, if what this stranger on the internet told me is like, you know, making me question everything in my right. life. <laughs> I'm right. like, I, you know, I, I've just really learned to, I'm learning anyway, to take that stuff with a grain of salt and just realize we're all different and everybody comes from a different place and we never know what somebody else is going through when that kind of thing pops up. But I do think it's important to be real, to share. I do think it's important for people to share because like you mentioned um, earlier, there's so many people out there that want to tell our story for us that don't, don't have our best interest or agriculture's best interest at heart. So it's always good to have positive, encouraging voices out there sharing their story. I also think it's great for people to realize that even if they're not totally comfortable sharing their story, um, I think it's important for people to have a place somewhere online to find somewhere that they, you know, enjoy spending time and can reshare other people that are sharing their story. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like the more we can kind of come together and magnify the voice of agriculture and what we're doing and how we're doing it in a positive way that that is a good thing. Um, YouTube is not for everyone. Instagram's not for everyone. Facebook's not for everyone. Twitter's not for everyone. But I think, um, I think it's important to find somewhere and have some sort of a presence um, and, and be a voice in some way to help magnify all our voices. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, spot on with that. I, I, through this, I've kind of decided, tried to figure out the best way, at least to kind of share my side of things. And I think through hearing other people mm-hmm. and talking to other people, I'm kind of related back to themselves and kind of how they've done it, uh, really shows that everybody, like you said, everybody has their own story and it's, it is mm-hmm. only truthful for when it comes from you, um, and, uh, to share your reality. So thank you for, uh, right. for that. Mm-hmm. And then kind of last little thing here to wrap us up today. Um, I kind of just usually do, if you have anything you would like to share, kind of a blanket statement or anything, uh, whether to agriculture knowledgeable people or non, um, what's something that you kind of want to say in closing, just to kind of wrap us up today. Um, well, I probably just said it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what, I should have planned that question sequence out a little better. <laughs> 
No, because it all kind of goes hand in hand just with um, with that, with with the importance of sharing your story and realizing that your story does matter and that we are all in this together and we are better together. Wish I had that tea on. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> we're better. We're so much better together. And I guess that can sound cliche, but it's really so true. I just really feel like we are. And 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 speaking just to ag people for a second, you know, I feel like um, sometimes we can some people in the community can uh, get defensive or whatever towards other people. But I just want us all to realize that we're all in this together and we all do things differently and that doesn't make it right or wrong. You know, what works for my farm might not work for your farm or ranch or whatever, but we're all, we're all, we're all working towards the greater goal. We're all doing our best to keep, to keep our businesses and our families thriving and going and to do our part to help feed and clothe the world. <laughs> and we're needed and we're just, we're needed together. We're needed together. And so I'm, I just really hope we can continue to see our, our community come together so that we can be a positive voice and we can help bridge that gap between the consumer and the farmer and the rancher. Um, so I guess that's, I guess I'll, <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, so Meredith, thank you for, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank and, you. Uh, this was fun. Yes, this uh, was this was great. And I hope uh those who are watching or listening uh got something out of this and uh, make sure you go follow Meredith um for all of her stories and then also, you know, you can't miss out on the skillet cooking now that you're if you didn't know about yeah. it. <laughs> That's so right. I've got two channels. I actually opened up another, uh, created another whole channel for cooking. So that's been oh, fun. See, there you go. There you go. Now there's no excuse to miss out on it. <laughs> that's right. Go find me. Connect. <laughs> if I don't know you, send me a message, shout out something. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Dirt. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Ag Chicks and that the visual version of every episode can be found on YouTube on our Ag Chicks channel. We'll see y'all next time.